What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner dream, Mason. All right, man. So I saw you were at the Grammys <laughs> and I would like to be at the Grammys. I know a lot of people would like to be at the Grammys. What was it like to be at the Grammys this year? Oh man, you know what? I've been going, I've been going to the Grammy week leading up to the to the show for the better part of seven, eight years now. Never gone on the show. This was actually my first time going to the show. It was incredible, you know. You you we're, we're walking through the hallways of the arena and, you know, we ran into David Grohl and Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox and like just these people that are, you know, are, are stars. And it, it was just really fun to experience that. The show was incredible. The, the performances were were amazing. Um, it was just a really good experience and got to walk the red carpet, which was cool. And yeah, it was a good time. You you spend a lot of time with like athletes and, and you've gone to the Grammys a lot of times now. So is there are there people that kind of get you giddy like a little kid still that that if you run into and meet you're just like oh my god um you know after being a an agent i guess for i'm on year 13 uh you kind of don't get starstruck there's very few um uh, times where you know you kind of get a little giddy but I will um, I will tell you a story about one time I, I I got a bit giddy and this is years ago but not giddy, like starstruck. So this is when I was living in Chicago, right? And working out at this gym and and whatnot. And I'm kind of sitting in between sets and I see these guys with earpieces in their ears. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, and they're like in plain clothes and whatnot. And I'm just like, all right, whatever, continue my set. And I look over and, and it's Barack Obama. And this was back when he was still trying to win the Democratic, you know, nominee for uh, for president. And everybody's going up to him. Everybody's seeing him. I'm like, all right, I got to say something to him. I'm like talking about, you know, um, thinking in my head, I was like, oh, we're both lawyers. Like, you know, it's uh, <laughs> trying to figure out something to say to him. Yeah, what you have in common with Brock. <laughs> How do I? Yeah. So like. The time comes where like we're walking towards each other. I was like, all right, here's my time. Here's my time. He's shaking everybody's hand because, you know, he's trying to be president. I go up, I shake his hand and he goes, hello, sir. And I said, good luck. And that was it. I had all this in my head <laughs> of what I wanted to talk to him about and have a conversation. I just only muttered out good luck. So, yeah, that was embarrassing. He just said, <laughs> thank you, sir. And we walked away. I was like, God, I, I missed my opportunity. But yeah, that was that was uh that was embarrassing. But yeah. That's that's <laughs> funny, man. I uh I had this one experience. I was in when I was like in my early 20s. Uh, I'm still a huge Curb Your Enthusiasm fan. Like love Larry yeah. David, love Curb Your Enthusiasm. And so I'm like, I'm probably like 25 years old. I'm like bartending. And Larry David's sitting at a table 
in the restaurant and all the people that work with me know I'm, I love Larry David and they like, you, you gotta go talk to him. And I'm like, no, I'm not I grew up in LA. Like I see famous people. I'm not starstruck. Like it's, it's, I don't want to bother anyone. They're like, dude, this is like your, right. This is like, it's like Larry David and Michael Jordan, you know, for me. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go over. I walk over to the table and I'm like, Hey, uh, Larry David, I just wanted to, I just wanted to like show my appreciation for your work. I'm a huge fan. I think what you're doing is brilliant. I hope one day I can write something as well as you do. And he casually looks up at me and he goes, I think you should have higher aspirations. (laughs) (laughs) A very Larry David comment right there. Totally. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, and it was just like, thank you and walked away. Um, That's a great story. I love that. Uh, I I love the, the piece that I love is that you were trying to like, what do I have in common with Barack Obama? Right? Yeah, I, was thinking, I was like, all right, we're both lawyers. I'm like, no, I love Chicago. He's from here. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to make up whatever, you know, and I'm not a very political person. So I'm just like, you know, shoot your shot and create a moment for you in your life. And I, yeah, I failed miserably. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for telling that story. So let me tell people, people that are watching, some people might recognize you. I don't know. Some people might uh, know who you are. Let me tell people who who you are. But I first want to tell them that you and I first did this. We first recorded an episode of this podcast uh, on April 24th, 2020, right in wow. the, right, right in the COVID kind of, started. yeah, it was in that first, you know, yeah. The end of March was like when everything kind of kicked lockdown. I was actually at, I had driven up to stay with my parents at the time to help them out. They were kind of freaked out. Um, I was actually at that time, I was getting back. I was like in the process of getting back together with an ex that that relationship blew up. You were like getting married, newly married. Um, Our lives were vastly different than they are now, basically three years later, which is pretty nuts. Um, A A lot has transpired from the last time we spoke. Yeah. And uh, so you at the time were the managing director of baseball at Rock Nation, which I just for people that don't know, that's Jay-Z's sports. That's Jay-Z's company. But and that's the sports division. And then now you're the head of baseball for Milk and Honey Sports, which started as a as a music agency and then now has branched into sports. Um, And I I reached you and I had been had been chatting and I and I was like, man, I would love to get you on here. I've been focused a lot on talking to men, talking about masculinity, talking about mental health for men, um, you know, uh, like relationships and whatnot. So I really wanted to bring you on here. And I'm really grateful that you said yes. And to everyone that you're, you're Kyle Thousand, um, you first, I just want to tell people you're, you're successful at what you do. You're humble, you're fun, you're wise, you tell great stories, you're open and you're honest. Um, which is why I wanted to bring you back on here, right? You could be doing whatever you want, hanging out with whatever you want, or hanging out with whoever you want, and you're willing to talk, tell stories about, you know, how you got to where you are and the challenges you faced. And I think that's important. Well, that's probably the best introduction I've ever had of myself. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, man, a lot has transpired. Like, gosh, April. What did you say? Twenty fourth. April twenty fourth, two thousand twenty. Wow. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was engaged at the time. I also, at the time when I was at spring training, when, when the sports shut down, right. I was in Florida, which is probably the Mecca of COVID. (laughs) And I didn't know of like the airports were going to shut down or what was going to happen. And I like packed my bags, got on the first flight up to New York, 
packed more bags, flew to LA with my, you know, fiance at the time. And uh, yeah, from then on, I guess between April 24th of 2020 and now, I've, yeah, switch, switch jobs. I've, I've been married and divorced and, and um, live in Franklin, Tennessee now, which is, is a, is a change from, you know, 12 years in New York and a couple in LA and, um, you know, but life's great, man. And, and, but the, I should say, but the process from there, the last time we spoke to now, it wasn't always easy, man. Yeah. It wasn't easy. Yeah. It, uh, you know, going through, you know, the high of, of a marriage to, you know, uh, not too long of a marriage to get divorced and have it in the public eye, um, you know, was difficult. And, and, you know, there were, you know, some struggles along the way. And then my departure from Rock Nation, and it, it coincided with that in my relationship. Um, you know, it was like a transition amongst any other. Like for me, it was it was the biggest transition of my life, needless to say. But um, going through that, trusting the process, um, even going to therapy. Like I, you know, I, I you know, I think everybody needs to do that. I'm a big proponent of therapy and just, you know, speaking your truth. And and if you need to speak to someone in a, in a therapeutic way and, and uh, I, I, like I said, I'm a huge proponent of it and it helped me get through that process along with just, you know, my family and, and some great friends that I have. And, and uh, yeah, now like uh, you know, I think there's still a stigma, a huge stigma around mental health. And as it relates to people in sports or athletes, you know, we're taught as boys, a way of, of, communicating that hinders our evolution or our progress, right? Like we're taught that like, we need to be men, we need to be the providers and whatnot. And we're taught that vulnerability equals weakness, right? Like if you're vulnerable, like you're not a man, right? But I think that, you know, if you pinpoint what's bothering you, right? Or where the anxiety comes from or whatever else, it's 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 almost like a superpower in a way. Like it's a way of just, bettering yourself and um and just living a better life yeah thanks for saying all that i think i've i've also gone to therapy at two different times and mm -hmm. one of them was really because of a relationship i was in right we we were our communication sucked we were like fighting and we like wanted to be together but it wasn't working and then when the relationship ended, so the relationship that when we first interviewed, I like stayed in because I was like, man, I'm the common denominator of all my relationships, right? So right. if I want a different relationship, I got to figure out what's going on with me. And the way exactly. I like to think about it is people think that they think that like, if we do stuff like this, we're broken, right? We need to be fixed or that we need help. Like there's something wrong with us. And the way I really think about it and the kind of what I was hearing a little bit in yours is to me, it's about optimization. It's like about how do I become my best self? And to your point, you know, I think like as little boys were taught, be strong, be tough, and like push everything else down. We're like, right. con we're conditioned to, 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 to remove like all our ability to feel. Yeah. And then we grow up and we keep doing that, but then shit happens that actually 
like creates a stir in us. And I think also when we keep pushing stuff down, we lose our ability, like that fire inside of us goes away, like that fire in your belly, because it, it, it doesn't, you don't know how to control it because you pushed it, pushed it down so long so that you're, you know, you have like a mediocre marriage and a mediocre job and a mediocre life and you never get that happy and you never get that sad. That's, that's was my experience. Right. And then until I learned to, to like wrestle with that fire, mm-hmm. then it like, it's like it could come out in all sorts of ways, but under control, right? Like not, not insane rage. When you, when you were going through that process of divorce and transitioning your job, what do you think you like learned most about yourself? Not like intellectually, but like the feeling part of yourself, like that part that you had to like kind of investigate for the first time. Um, you know, I, I guess I would say like, I, I hate to fail, right? Like I've was an athlete myself, you know, I've, I've been able to be lucky enough to have the jobs I've had along the way. And when I was going through the divorce, like, I felt like I was failing, right? And my parents divorced when I was seven years old. And so for me, divorce was almost like a scarlet letter in a way, like, I wasn't going to get married till I knew it was the one and there was never going to be a divorce and, you know, things happen. And unfortunately that wasn't the case for, for what I had hoped for. But, um, the, the biggest thing I learned, I guess, was just more like, it's okay. Like life happens and you, you know, you go through the trials and tribulations or the ebbs and flows of, of, of life. And, you just got to learn to like accept it. Right. And, and just try and not think that the world is out to get you. It's more like, that's just the world that we're living in and just accept it and try and keep it, you know, an even keel throughout those ebbs and flows that, you know, tug at your emotions. And, and it's, yeah, like for me, that, that was probably my biggest. Yeah. Definitely you, biggest lesson. Did you ever have opportunities, like either in therapy or without, because to practice, you know, being with your heartbreak or your sadness, practice being with your anger or your rage, practice being with your grief. I think those are the things that, especially I hear from men, it's like they're not allowed to be sad. They don't know how to grieve and their anger is dangerous. So they don't do that either. And then it's, it's like they're actually not being a human being. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like everybody's entitled to whatever they're feeling, right? And it's the way you you process those feelings and just let them go. It's like looking at your feelings from the the 10,000 foot level, as I like to say it, right? Like you just, feelings will come and go. It's how you react to them that makes all the difference in the world in your life. And to be able to take a pause before you have a conversation with someone that you're you're angry with or you know you're you're feeling heartbroken and you don't know how to feel and and instead of just reacting just like process the feelings and you know take some time to 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 sit with them before reacting or or you know um pro- like acting upon those feelings i should say did you get to do that? Did you feel like you got to do that in the process? I wish I I wish I could take my own advice, man. <laughs> Thanks no, for I, I did. 
I, I, I eventually learned that, right? But it was a tough process to learn, yeah. you know? And, and now, yeah, like, you know, there's, there's, you know, people say, have you ever um, read the book, The Power of Regret? No. It's, it's by Daniel Pink. And it was one of the best books ever, uh, ever read because people talk about, you know, no regrets, right? Like, you know, live life, everything else. No, you should have regrets, right? And because the regrets are where you get the biggest learning learning lessons of your life. And then you're able to apply that to the next part of your life. Like it's a it's a powerful book and I, I'd recommend it to anyone. But yeah, like you should have regrets in life because again, those are the biggest learning, you know, tools or learning moments in your life to be able to develop the tools to apply to a better life moving forward. Yeah, I think it, what you're saying, it's true. It's like, thanks for being honest. It is really hard. I just, I just led a retreat of men. Well, in October, so a couple months ago, and we had men, you know, that, that grew up with like violent dads and a lot of like, like, ang like, like really intense masculinity, right? Yeah. And some of these men were like, anger is bad, that fire, that rage is so bad. And they were like, very gentle, very soft men. And Nothing wrong with that, but they weren't, because of that, they weren't getting the results in life they wanted, right? They didn't have that intensity. And then we had the opposite side, right? Men who grew up with dads who, the, it wasn't scary, but it, they taught them that intensity, but to the point where that was all they knew. They didn't know how to have like a soft side. So they were missing like their relationship with their kids or their wife. And what we really, what was really cool was to get those, to get the guys to see that you like want all of it. Right. Yeah. That you want, when, you know, when you're negotiating a deal for a player, man, I, I, I assume you want to go for the jugular. You want to get the best deal you can. Right. And you, and that, that requires you bring a level of intensity. You can't be soft and be pushed around. And you don't, I don't think you have any kids yet, but like, if you had a daughter at home and you went home to her, my, my belief is that you want to be gentle and like nurturing. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, and you don't want to bring that like fire and intensity that you had in the negotiation back to your daughter. And you don't want to bring that softness to the negotiation, but right. we don't, we don't learn as men that we can have all of it. We get stuck yeah. in like one or the other. There's a middle ground, right? Yeah. Like you just got to, you know, um, moments in life where you need a little more intensity and moments in life where you need to be a little more soft. Like even when I'm, if I'm negotiating a deal or something in, in my job, you don't want to have so much intensity that you, you know, you come across like they don't want to do business with you. Right. There's, there's, there's a lot of players that play professional baseball. And if you come across as someone that you can't handle a negotiation on or, or, or work towards a common ground to make, you know, the best deal for both parties, yeah, you want to go for the jugular at times and you want to get the best deal for your client. Like that's that's the ultimate goal, right? But there's a way of doing it where, you know, sometimes you you get a little more intense and sometimes, you know, you, you got to play nice in the sandbox is what I'm trying to say. Well, let's talk about like some of the guys, the athletes that you work with and represent or, or even the guys that you just know that you're like friendly with. Um how are you seeing that, you know, mental health has been, and men's mental health specifically has been become a big topic for men 
since you know you yeah. said you we were talking earlier about Michael Phelps, but I think like Luke Walt Luke Walton brought a bunch of stuff up, like I think a couple of years ago, and different athletes. I think John Wall wrote a whole piece. I think it was John Wall, like recently. Yeah. Um, and but these are right, these are the minority, there's a few drops in a bucket versus like all these guys. What are what are you seeing kind of from your inside purview around this? Well, I think again, like mental health is a, is a huge topic in sports it should be and it's still not being talked about enough michael phelps that you know he he came out and was really the first athlete in my opinion that really that at a level that he was at you know he's the greatest olympian of all time i think it was 2015 when he did that article to speak out about his depression and anxiety and and how um alcohol use was a big factor and i mean the guy got two duis right and he Figured out, oh, I've I've got a problem here. Um, Kevin Love is another guy. That's right. Uh, player, Kevin Love. He he had a panic attack, his first panic attack on the basketball court. I think that was in 2018 during an NBA game. He had a panic attack. And I think there's articles out there about it, but like he ended up like back in the training room, like laying on the ground trying to catch his breath like he couldn't breathe you know and and now he's a huge advocate for it i think he's got a mental health program right now for for high schoolers and you know there's a lot of others naomi osaka um uh simone biles right the the uh gymnast who didn't partake in in the olympics because of her mental health issues like there needs to be more of it particularly coming out of the pandemic right like the world shut down, it reopens, there were jobs lost, there were lives lost. I still don't think there's enough conversation being had about mental health, regardless of sports, but in, in the topic of sports, yeah, or in sports in general, um, a lot more athletes than you think, you know, struggle with mental health issues. And, you know, as, as an agent, it's, you know, I, I had a, one of my clients, he was a first round draft pick, um, like 12th overall, his first year of playing pro ball, he got a 90 plus mile an hour ball that shattered his jaw. Like his jaw was a honeycomb, right? And he came out the next year and hit like 31 homers and 111 RBIs and, and like shot his way up to almost, you know, he didn't make the big leagues that year, but the next year it was going to happen, right? And then all of a sudden, his performance deteriorated and i'm like as an agent i'm trying to figure out is is there something wrong health-wise i wasn't even thinking mental health Gosh. and it took it took you know almost a year for me to finally be like do you do you need to see someone from a mental standpoint because my mind didn't go there that was back right around the time michael phelps you know came out with it in 2015 and from there like i've always you know thought from from an athlete standpoint that like every athlete should be seeing a therapist. But again, we go back to that mental health stigma and that you're weak if you do that. I, I see it more and more that that guys are are speaking out more about it, but it still needs to be talked about even more. Yeah, thanks for just like putting it on loudspeaker. I in the last in the last two or three years, I've had sessions, coaching sessions with probably about 
three to five professional athletes, baseball, like a couple of baseball players. Some of the guys were in the minors. Some had been in the pros for a while. Some, some were, had finished their career. And the, the level of stress they have on themselves, the level of pressure they put on themselves, the, yeah. the, the, the inability to like, um, I want to say like have any sort of grace or humanity. And, and it's not mm-hmm. to take away their intensity, right? It's to like, um, support their intensity, right? It's kind of like, you can't just run and run and run without stretching or drinking some water, right? Like, if you don't drink water and stretch, something bad's going to happen. And and I think that like athletes are a great example of that masculinity of like, action, 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 results, 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 without like, hey, how are we cleansing the intensity process? Um, yeah, man, I, I'm like right there with you. I, I don't know if it's right. I think everybody's everybody's different, right? Some guys, if it's like therapy to me, if it's depression or severe anxiety. And some guys, it's not that level. They just need to learn how to process. Like we were saying before, you were saying like how to process all the stuff that's coming up and like cleanse it, deal with it and manage it in a way that's healthier. Because I think as men as or even humans in our society, None of us have really been taught any of this, right? We just get thrown into the intensity of life and it's like swim. And at these high level caliber spaces, swimming is, is like life or death. It probably feels like. Yeah. I mean, these athletes are like, you you train your body, you you grow up training your body, performing at the highest level or getting to the point of performing to the highest level. But the mental side is what is still lacking. You need to train your mind just as you train your body. And, you know, if you, like, I always tell my guys, like, particularly my minor leaguers, right? Like, you can have all the talent in the world, but that last piece is the mental side, right? Control or worry about what you can control, right? The rest will fall into place. And if if they can just get to that point where, you know, guys are like, I'm doing this in AAA. Like, why am I not getting that call up? Why am I, you know? That's that's not, you know, my decision. It's not your decision. It's the team's decision. And yeah, we can try and influence it. But at the end of the day, it's their decision. And so just worry about what you can control and just continue performing like you're like you're doing right. And the rest will play out. Yeah, you know, they, it is so neglected that meant that mental piece. Um, right. We're so willing to exercise. I, I even think about you know, guys like LeBron, I think they, what does LeBron spend like a million dollars a year, right? On his body. His body. Or, or it's like, a yeah. million, I don't remember, right. It's like a million dollars a year or something on his body. I think it's like a million and a half now. Yeah. And I think he's got like a mental health coach and a therapist. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure. And it makes, right. I think like we, if, if you just think about the simplicity, the, how it, it should feel basic in the sense of our brain's a muscle. Why right. do we exercise? Right. Every other muscle in our body in various ways. Why do we get them massaged, ice baths, saunas, right? All this stuff. And even when you think about that, your brain is, is your brain and your nervous system, right? Like your nervous system goes to your whole body. So what's happening in your brain is is directly linked to every area of your body. Right. I um I don't know. I I'm, I'm I didn't think that we were going to talk about this, but I'm all a little curious about your opinion. I recently had an experience. I went and did uh, an ayahuasca plant medicine journey for the first time, and yeah. when I went, I thought I was going to have to have so- shoulder surgery going in. I had 
I don't know what I had done, but I had both of my rotator cuffs. Like I, I couldn't lift anything with my arms. I was in pain. Like when I slept and I was like, man, when we come back, I was trying to give it some time and rest. I was like, oh, when we come back from this thing, I'll go get it handled. And I noticed in the medicine, I had no shoulder pain, none at all. It went from like, I was, I remember lying there and I'm in this, like, you know, this state and I, and I have this moment of, uh, of consciousness where I'm like, my shoulders don't hurt. By the end of the weekend, my shoulders were fine. Come on, really? Dude, totally fine. I'm like back in the gym. I'm doing everything. I'm boxing. I'm lifting heavy weight, right? My shoulders are totally fine. Now, I'm not saying I want, I don't want people to say, hey, go do ayahuasca. It'll heal your pain. I mean, I just had shoulder surgery four months ago, and I'm still I'm like in the worst <laughs> shape of my life right now because I still can't do what I, what I would normally have done my whole life. I don't know, maybe I need that. You well, know, maybe you and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers are, well, are on something about this, this ayahuasca stuff. Well, this is what I was going to ask. I was going to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. But what I, I want to say is like, I, look, I don't think that if you get hit by a car and your body's hurt, you might need to go do something, right? But I didn't no. know what I did. I had just like had like this, this pain kind of came. It wasn't like I did one thing. And what I really got from it is like, man, there was something happening up here that was manifesting in my physical body. And maybe it was ma manifesting in a way I was lifting. Maybe it was just manifesting, but that I did some, some work and that all of a sudden that had cleansed that. And now I'm fine. And, and like, you think that was from like the, the, the mental standpoint of going through. So I know some people have done ayahuasca. I've never done it. Um, you know, I'm a proponent of like, do what you think is going to better yourself or your life, right? If people want to do ayahuasca, you should go for it. Aaron Rodgers, I think he's going on like a silent retreat or something, trying to figure out. He is, what his yeah. Is. Like a silent retreat, is that what it was? Where you just he's, don't He's talk. doing a, it's a darkness. It's like, it's like a certain amount of days in pitch black darkness with no interaction with people. So I don't know if there's like, if he's also he's doing medicine. But it, it creates basically by by being in the dark by yourself for that long without any other human interaction, it stimulates the same response as like essentially ayahuasca would because you're it's like being in solitary, right? Like you go a little, yeah. it opens yeah. up levels of consciousness that aren't available to us normally. Man, yeah, <laughs> like I I, I I I can't say that I'm a. Uh, uh, an expert on ayahuasca or these silent retreats or whatnot. But like, I, I'm a proponent of like, if, if you feel that that's going to better your life, you should try it. You know, you should try everything that, you know, you at least have some sort of inkling, like, Hey, this is wrong with my life. And, Oh, that sounds good. Like I, I have friends um, that have done ayahuasca and they keep speaking that it's like the best thing ever. Um, it has been to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do this, but, um, pretty great. It's yeah, pretty great. <laughs> each their own and, and wait, you're going to do that. You're, you're going on one. No, no. So I went, I went for three days. I went on. Okay. Yeah. Last year, last year, I went on a three day, a three night, three, three day, three night. I was oh, right. yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And I, I would, it was, it was the, it was, it was life-changing and it was probably the three of the best days of my entire life. And it wasn't look. It, this was not like a, like a party, right? You're not, I wasn't like, like loving every moment of it. So there are some really dark moments, but at the end of the day, even at the end of the dark moments, 
I felt like I knew who I was more than I ever have. I felt like I knew my purpose. I felt clean and clear. I felt more connected to my fiance who went with me and, and she had no, she, she decided kind of like towards the end, like I'll go for, and she got insane amounts of healing on her life there. I had some other people I knew there that it brought us closer. It, what I felt like ultimately it did was if I felt like it took down the veils that we create as humans to protect ourselves. So it took down the walls that we put up to make ourselves feel safe. So you were able to connect more deeply. With, yeah, you're able to connect more deeply, love more deeply, see each other more deeply, see yourself more deeply. And and having those walls taken down is, is freeing. It, like everybody walks away feeling, I believe, a little, not everybody, I shouldn't say, but like the people I had interacted with seemed like they all walked away feeling more free to go now into back into their regular life and bring what they learned. And then you got to practice what you learned back in your regular life, right? It's not. I mean, you need to be a spokesman for ayahuasca. <laughs> man. I'm about to sign up myself. But like, I want to ask you a question now. I'm going to interview you for a second with this because now you got me intrigued. Like, what was that process of going through that and then entering back into, we'll call it the real mm. world, that like helped you from a mental standpoint and how have you carried it on since you've done that? Yeah. Um, it's, it's been challenging at times and some, and sometimes really fluid and easy. So I'll share like what I, what I would say is some of the biggest learnings I got were, um, we're disconnected from nature that we at our most core elements, our animal, our, our, our species of this planet, like anything else, and that we've disconnected ourselves from nature. And for me, that meant it, there was a clear, like, you need to be in nature more. Put your feet in the grass, put your feet in the sand on the beach, like go stand and lean against a tree, sit under a tree, just connect more with what I feel like is like where we came from. And yeah. what, what that's done for me is, and there's plenty of science that backs this up, is it's grounding. So when I feel anxious, when I feel worried about money, when I'm when I'm freaking out about getting married and I go put my feet in the sand and just like listen, close my eyes, listen to the ocean and just stand there. It's almost there's this sense of feeling like the earth is holding me. Yeah. Which, right. And if you think the earth is everything comes from the earth. Right. So there's this, there is this like um, this sounds very like woo woo, but right. There's this like very sense of the earth is mother and it can and it's holding us. And. That's one. Another piece is how disconnected we are from each other, how we're like always running around judging each other, telling each other how we should be. We're all righteous about our beliefs. And inside of the medicine, in the experience, I noticed that everyone in that room, I was like, that's just another soul, right? There's just a soul. I actually, what it had me do, which was really cool, was it saw how to see our bodies as avatars. And the way I kind of explain this to people is like a vessel, it's a vessel, right? And the way I explain this to you is, is, is like, Kyle, if, if you got in a horrible accident and we took both of your arms and you had, you had to lose them because of a horrible accident, would you not still be Kyle thousand? Yeah, of course. Would you be any less Kyle thousand? And actually when you're like, who am I? You just wouldn't have arms, right? It's still right. be you. If we went in and took your, and like you had an infection in like, let's say your liver and you, and somebody else put their liver inside, you, you had a liver transplant. Would you not still be Kyle? Would you still not be you? No, of course. Yeah. 
I get so, it. Yeah. So, so that for me, that reflection was like, oh my God, I'm not this body. This is like a, this is, I described it as like an, I'm like, oh man, I chose this avatar. This is like the suit <laughs> that my soul picked out to wear. Right. And then it had me look at all the people around the room as they're not their race, their gender, their religion. That's like the avatar that they're, that they're scooting around in. And then I, I was able to like see them and connect with them and have more respect for their journey, their challenges, their beliefs, because I'm like, man, there's just like a little energy vessel in there, right? Whatever that consciousness is. Um, and so it opened up me empathetically, right? Like it really opened my heart to be with other people that I would have normally been like judging or having an opinion around. Um, yeah. And that's been huge. It also had me really connect with, I want to say um, our westernized cultures, we've gotten rid of like everything ritualized, right? Yeah. We don't really have a ritual from boy to man or from, it's kind of like, unless you're like having a quinceanera or a bar mitzvah, which for most people, it's just like a party, right? We don't really, we're not really having a, any sort of ritual moments that get people usher into different places in their life, like indigenous communities would. And it showed me, it kind of showed me that, man, their indigenous cultures were on to a lot of insanely brilliant and wise things. And, and we, as a capitalistic kind of westernized culture, kind of just like push that over because that gets in the way of making money. And it had me start like researching and reading books on indigenous cultures and their beliefs and, and how they relate to the body and the mind and how they relate to each other and the planet. And it's not to say that I still don't make money, right? Cause I, I still live here with you and do this, but how, how can we incorporate both? Like one doesn't have to be bad and one doesn't have to be good, but could we have like both sides of the coin instead of just like the one side or the other? Yeah. How do we even get on this topic? By this well, point? I was going to ask you. I wanted How to know. Go widespread. Dude, you I, I love it. Well, it's I didn't I didn't know we'd go here either. Well, I wanted to ask you because we're talking about mental health. Yep. If if you were Aaron Rodgers's agent or advisor, like, what would you? I mean, are, are you like go man, go do this? Would you have any? Would you be like this is messing with your career? Like, what are your thoughts? I mean, that guy's. You know. He's what, uh, how many MVPs does he want? I think three. <laughs> and, you know, it's been for the last couple of years where he's kind of really spoken out and kind of made this change in his persona or whatnot. I mean, before that, like, I don't remember him to be a very outspoken person, but now he's he's on Pat McAfee's show, right? Like every week or something talking about this or that. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can't control your client. Like it's, it's, you, you try to, you do your best to steer <laughs> them in the right direction. But at that, if I was Aaron Rodgers agent, go do what you're going to do, man. Yeah. You want to play again? Let me know. And I'm going to go out and get you a job or get you traded or, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, like it's, you know, the, the most rewarding thing in, in, my career as being an agent, right? It's like you you try and guide these young men's lives into an opportunity that very few have, right? And they have a one-time opportunity to maximize generational wealth 
if they do it the right way. And some guys do it, some don't, some do everything they can and they don't make it. And it's not to anyone's fault. Like, as I, I think I mentioned to you um, before we hopped on here, like 50% of first round draft picks in, in major league baseball don't make the big leagues. Yeah. 50%, you know, and that to me is like, and it's, you know, some people go down the wrong path or, you know, just don't put in the time or the effort and whatnot. But when you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers that has done what he's done, that he's his own, he's on his own hamster wheel. Like, he, you know, it's just, yeah, you let them do what they're, you know, they need to do or want to do. And, and you wait for the phone call. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, well, it speaks to what you said before, right? You're like, hey, I think people should speak their truth, which is what he's doing. That's his truth. And people need to kind of follow their own journey. And you also talked about like, you got to control what you can control and you can't control someone else. So you focus on like, hey, if you call me, I'm going to go get you the job. I'm going to do my job and, and play my role, but I'm not going to control you. I mean, I'm not going out and telling my clients like, go, go do this or that, you know, like, or. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I am trying to control them. Maybe I need to take my own, my own advice of just worrying about the things that I can control, but it's obviously my job to, to steer these, these guys in the right direction. Um, but you know, you know, everybody has one life that we know of. Right. And so who am I to judge an Aaron wow. Rodgers that wants to go do this, you know, is done ayahuasca, I guess, multiple times, but is going to do this silent retreat and, you know, teach their own. What do you think is um let's let's change let's kind of pivot a little bit. What do you think is, you know, you've you had this what I would what I would think most people would relate to as like a dream job or a great job at at Rock Nation as um the the managing director of baseball. And then now you're in a position with Milk and Honey as the head of baseball. What do you kind of see as your next big like what's the next big challenge for you? I mean, I'm currently in it right now, yeah. right? Like, I, I'm, I, you know, first of all, you know that that transition from from Rock Nation to Milk and Honey, as I spoke to, I think at the beginning, was very challenging, and in, and during that time, I was going down a path of of um, raising funds to start my own agency, right? And I was about nine months into it before. Finally, I had to pull the plug, right? It wasn't the right partners. And was introduced to the guys at Milk and Honey, Lucas Keller, Dave Frank, and and um, you know, Jake Presser and those guys, and, and found out a bit more about them. Like Milk and Honey is a, you know, started in music and and really started with representing songwriters and, and producers. And as we know, like owning the rights to the music is where, you know, really where the money is in music. And you know, Lucas came from the collective before that and and, and decided to break away. And, and um, you know, then they got into artist management. And then about two years ago, they got into football and they brought in Jake Presser and and um, uh, Raleigh Williams. In, and, and it got to it got time like it was I guess it was almost two years ago. And when I got introduced to them, it was just like instantly for me that it was the right partners and that that just goes to to any job right like 
you don't have to like all your coworkers or whatever, but finding the right fit and the right path is what it's all about. And it took me 18 months to really figure that out and find the right people. Couldn't be more excited though. Um, and yeah, like it's, 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 wasn't an easy journey, but it was a journey worth taking to see, you know, all this come together and, and be with this crew that, that, uh, you know, is doing great things in all aspects. Dude, I know it's, I know it's your love, what you have in common with Obama. <laughs> you, you, it's not bad you you totally answer questions sometimes like like polit like political answers right like i'm like hey what's the big challenge and you told me this great story right about rock nation and joining milk and honey but you didn't actually tell me what the challenge was which you like so i'm gonna bring you back to it like when you now uh, you're right that's now, the water right there totally but it's like yeah no i'm just messing with you but yeah. um what it, I like, I love, I love that you're sharing like the, 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 how it's evolved, but for you, when you think about, man, what am I, what is my challenge now with, with whether it doesn't have to be with milk and honey, but what's the kind of mountain you're trying to climb? No, it's just, this is the first time where this is my baby, right? Like I'm nice, an yeah. equity owner in my, in an agency for the first time in my career. And so for that, that brings on a whole new set of challenges, right? Like, you know, we've we also brought in a little outside money. So I, I'm I'm responsible for the growth of this agency, not only like to me personally and my namesake to it, but also to other people mm -hmm. that trusted in me to build a great agency. Um, so that that is the challenge for me. Um and this is the first time I've ever encountered this challenge in in my career, as far as being an owner and also having you know, investors that that believed in me and it, it was me that they believed in, right? Not like Rock Nation or, yeah. you know, fell prior to that. Like it, this is this is my baby. Yeah, thanks for that's that's what I was looking for. Like, right, with the challenge, yeah. it's like you've never done this before, the responsibility of it, and the pressure I hear of like, hey, yeah. there's if I if I don't succeed, I don't just let me down, I let other people down. Right. I what I want to know now is you know, I think a lot of us, I was, I was, I was asked recently, like, how are you feeling about getting married? And I'm like, man, I'm a little freaked out. I've never been married. I've never been a dad. I like all these things I've never done. Right. Yeah. And any, anyone that wants to grow their life, whether it be uh, romantically, professionally, well in their wealth, they're going to have to do things they've never done. And, and you're in that space right now. What advice do you have? Cause so many of us are like, so many people are staying exactly where they are because they're like, I don't know how to do the next thing. Whereas like, you don't necessarily know how you step into it and you figure it out. What advice do you have for the, the people that really want to step into something scary or challenging, but that I've never done it before is like holding them back? I mean, you got to get out of your comfort zone like that. If you if you get too comfortable, things are just not going to happen. Right. Like get uncomfortable. But more important, like my great grandfather had this saying that was passed down along to me. I, uh, it's the harder I work, the luckier I got. Right. You you can't get complacent. You can't go through you know, 10 episodes of Netflix every night and expect to have changes in your life that you want. Like you've got to do the work um, and just being present, to be honest, like to be, 
in the room, like I love to surround myself and have conversations with people that are, that are quite frankly smarter than me, right? But like learning every day, picking up a book, doing what you have to do to just like, even if it's not related to your ultimate business, but it, it, it we go back to training our mind, right? It's not just therapy. It's, it's you know, uh, when's the last time we were in a classroom, right? Like what else are you doing to continue to learn you know, even if it's outside your industry, what are you doing to, to, you know, better yourself at the end of the day? And, you know, I try and carve out like an hour of my day to read something or, or I, I make the joke about eight episodes of whatever on Netflix, but there's some great documentaries out there that you can, I mean, you talked about, you know, the Shaq documentary, right? Yeah. And, and we were talking prior to this, just about the mental struggles that he went through, but not to go back to the mental side or mental health side, but watch a documentary that's that's informative and worthwhile. Um, if you're not into reading books or, yeah. you know, whatever. Like I, I'm always trying to do something to better my mind. Um, you know, besides watching MLB Network all day in my office and and trying to figure out who's going where and why and whatever else. <laughs> I, I love that you're on the inside and you're like watching it on TV. It's oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twitter, like these, these, these reporters. And listen, I, I I have great relationships with a lot of the baseball reporters out there. And this goes beyond just baseball. These reporters, there's such a big thing to them. And I'm, I'm still a little confused why, like they've got to break the news, right? Like, and I guess obviously that betters their job because it you know drives more clicks to you know their company's website or whatever else to read the full article. But yeah, like I'm just like anyone else watching MLB Network or Twitter sometimes getting the news in in real time. Um, you said something I wanted to. Oh, the thing you got me that that I thought of when you were talking about the things we do. It was like. The thing I heard, which I wanted for myself, but I want people to really hear is like, what's that thing that gets you excited? You know, for me watching a documentary about like the Lakers during the Showtime era, or there's a, there's a doc, there's actually a bunch on the Lakers right now. There's a documentary about magic and cream on, on HBO. There's one about Shaq. There's a documentary on Hulu about like the journey, the Lakers whole dynasty. And what I noticed they're very much done like the uh, Michael Jordan documentary. Um, or the Tom Brady one that was on Hulu, right? Like all these is I haven't seen that yet. I need to see that. All of these things you're they're showing you, at least for me, this is what it does. They're showing you what greatness looks like and not just the best parts, right? There's low points in these stories. And I noticed that when I watch these things, like my blood kind of starts heating up and boiling and it has me being like, what do I like? How do I get myself to that level? Right. Not like they did it, but in my own ways, right. It, it, I find that, you know, I'm, I'm like running upstairs to tell, you know, to tell somebody about what I watched and I want to talk about the stories. And what I notice is when I catch that kind of energy, mm -hmm. that energy gets you somewhere, right. That energy leads to good things. Yeah. And when I'm watching like just a show on Netflix, I don't get that energy that has me like lying on the couch under a blanket, very calm, whatever. That's okay too. Yeah. But the books you read, the podcasts you listen to, the shows you watch. You just had me like tap into that, like, man, find that energy, find that thing that gets you like where you want to run and tell your friends what you just learned and then follow that. And that's going to get you somewhere good. Yeah, like it, that's 
that's going back to what I talked about about getting too comfortable, right? Like you've got to find that energy and that, you know what, like you're going to have bad days and there's going to be days where you have no energy, but I'm a big routine guy at the end of the day. I like, if I'm off my routine, like I don't, I don't feel right. And I know it, right? Like I go to bed at a certain hour, I wake up at a certain hour. I, I have my routine through the day. I try and, you know, despite my limitations with my shoulder surgery, try and get, you know, a workout in and, and, um, you know, books I read, another big book that uh, that will jack you up. It's have you ever um, read uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins? No, man. David Goggins is like <laughs> that guy. Blows, I know, he's, I know. It's like it's, su- it's it's like too much suffering to success. Yeah. <laughs> but he, I don't know. I read that book and it jacked me up. Another um who is Michael Jordan's trainer? I'm going to Tim Grover. Gonna... Tim, I, I love yeah, him, man. His like his mindset stuff is that unbelievable. Book, that book he he talked about about Michael's journey and everything and what he did on a consistent basis to be who you know the athlete and the person he was. Yeah, that was probably even more so than than the can't hurt me book. But like, yeah, um, yeah, it's just. It, Energy comes from all different, you know, places, right? But you've got to find them, and it's not going to be the same each time. But you got to, you got to find that motivation and that desire, and you know, whether it's from my perspective, like failing others with this new venture, right? Or if it's failing your family or not living up to, you know, your standards of, or your parents' standards or whatever else, like find where that comes from, and just keep working and working yeah. and. But find time for fun in life too, you know. Yeah, that's think, where all the source of energy can come from. I think routines, and I, I, I'm very like, hey, your routine can be whatever you want. It's like everybody's got to find their own, right? It could be like I was listening to um, what's the uh, blanking on his name? What's the big uh, record producer who'd like developed the Beastie Boys and Jay Z originally? Um, big guy, long beard, Rick Rubin. Oh, Rick Rubin, yeah. yeah. I was listening to Rick Rubin the other day and they were asking him, what, what's your routine? He's like, man, I wake up and the first thing I do is I get in the sun as fast as I can. And that's like, he's like, I get in the sun, I walk and I listen to an audiobook. And he's like, I don't look at my phone. I don't look at anything else. I just walk and I'm in the sun and I'm, and, um, and then he had some other things too, but I, I, you could hear like, and I hear this from you, we hear it from everyone. Like you got to find a routine, especially I think as a, as a man, it's yeah. like we it's like the way that we harness that that fire inside of us is to is to apply it to purpose. And if right. we don't have a routine, it's like chaotic energy. And yeah. and so it doesn't matter how you do it, right? If you're a David Goggins guy and your routine is like hardcore or you're right. more that like hey, I just need to take a walk and breathe and be outside and be in nature and you know, put your feet in the sand. It's something right. Yeah, I've been kind of working. It's funny you said that about Rick Rubin. And he doesn't, you know, he wakes up. I've been trying to do, so I get up about 6, 6 a.m. most mornings, or at least the weekday mornings, right? And I've been trying for the first hour to not look at my phone. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Especially in, my, especially in my job, because like I go to bed, you know, 11-ish, whatever, and you know, if you got clients on the West Coast, right, and they text you while you're, you know, in bed or sleep, and it's, you know, you, you feel that urge. And so I've I've modified the one hour thing. It's like, okay, 
check your text. If it's a client, read it. If it's not, keep it aside, right? Or emails that could be urgent coming in from the company. Uh, but it, it's 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 so difficult. But like, yeah, finding that routine and that pattern, what brings you joy and what brings you peace. That's that's you know, it's mm. it's different. It's a different recipe for every every person. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I've been trying. I, I I like broke down, not actual broke down, but I was with my fiance the other day, and I was like, I'm addicted to my phone. Like I'm I'm as addicted to my phone as I am anything else in my life. I don't actually think I've ever been as addicted to anything as I am my phone. And so we started this thing where like I put my phone in the bathroom when I go to bed. I don't even have it next to my bed. I turn it, you yeah. know, it's on airplane mode. And then when I try when you do that though, no, it's okay that I put it away. Okay. The tough yeah. part is like you, I've been saying like, all right, no phone. And you know, no, when I go get brush my teeth, don't turn it on. Don't look at it. Cause I'm up around six also. And I'm like, no, our jobs are different. Right. But I'm like, nobody needs me at 6am. And so the other day though, yesterday, I didn't pick up my phone until 11am. I left it in the bathroom until 11am. And this is only wow. one time I've only like done it. And it was yesterday. And I was, man, I felt so good all day. Feel good. Like, I, I mean, you know, but with a job like mine and whatnot, like you, you there in a lot of jobs out there, you, yeah. you live off your phone, you, you work off your phone or, you know, I still have my uh, email, right? I still got to my email, right? On my computer. There's right. I wasn't I wasn't disconnected from the world until 11 a.m. But what I did notice was it's different, like replying to your email or even shooting you a text via my computer. Yeah. It was different than having this thing that is like an inch from my face that also right. has, you know, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and 50 other right. things I can well, do. You're in you're in different apps and scrolling and doing all that, and you've wasted two hours. Yeah. Right. And not that stuff is not as important as like maybe the your clients or the emails. Right. Yeah, but we're we've grown so accustomed that if you don't get back to someone in five minutes, there's a problem. Or you're, you yeah. know, like people get upset. You know, it's it's you know, I think um oh gosh, what's his name? Um um the guy from that 70s show, he's from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. He was on a podcast recently talking about how, you know, back in his day when he was like going out or whatever else, you could go out and nobody would know or what you're up to or anything else because nobody really was living off their phone. Right. But mm -hmm. nowadays you're, you go anywhere and what was it the, when LeBron broke the record and they'd have that big thing, that comparison of when um, basically everybody was on their phone, but Phil Knight is what my point is, right? Like we've, we've just grown so accustomed to have instant yeah. um, response time or, or, you know, you've done something wrong. It's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's hard to grow unaccustomed to what what is transpired in our you know our wow. childhood to adulthood which is the the age of the phone really and the internet yeah yeah man we have we have definitely like tracked a journey today from <laughs> from, from marriage to divorce to uh mental health to the grammys to aaron Rodgers and ayahuasca <laughs> 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 to phones and getting uncomfortable man i love talking to you um this is fun it's, man. I it's yeah you have me up again 
It's always fun. Um, Tell me about this book that's coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we haven't even talked about it. I can show you a little bit. Um, So this is the book, If How Dreams Are Built. Um, This is like a promo copy that I got to like go through from my uh, publisher. But basically, I don't know what page yours is on, but just quickly, I'll just show you. It's like we got like... Uh, a, a blurb, some blurbs from whoever the guest was on the on the yeah. original podcast. Your um, your bio, like who you are, your bio, uh, a little bit about from me about each person, how they impacted me, what I learned from them, and then kind of on uh, on another page, like the highlights of the episode, like you know the nice. the, the gold of each person. Um, yeah. So cool. it's When's been it coming out, man this thing has been so hard. This is like the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and I, and I wrote another book, but this is, I think this is tough because this is so much harder. It feels like, because I don't want to let the people down. Right. I'm like reading and I'm like, Oh man, I didn't, I gotta say more about Kyle. I gotta, I gotta say a better thing about, right. It's, it's not just my book in my opinion. It's like, I'm, I'm, you know, one, I was looking at a page last night in bed. I was going through it to give notes to my editor and I was like, I don't like that some of these people don't have enough like blurbs, right? Some have more than others. And right. And I'm, and if it was just my book, I wouldn't be thinking of it. Right. I'm trying to like caretake. I want to make sure everyone feels good about it. Um, so it's taking longer. I thought we thought it was going to be out at the end of last year. Now we're into, you know, we're obviously into the beginning of 2023. My hope would be like in the next probably three or four months, we'll have it out. Um, but it's exciting because it's so cool to be able to take like, you know, three, four years of podcasts, whatever it is, and like really shine a light on like the, I don't want to say the hundred best because that's not really what it is, but it's the hundred that really stood out to me that I yeah. felt like made a difference that I wanted to kind of say thank you and publish a little um, journey of it, you know? No, so. that's awesome. Congrats on that. And I'm going to need a signed copy of that at some point. <laughs> Dude, well, I, we got to have it go both ways. I think I got to get one where I have every single person in there sign. Like they like send yeah. it to the next person, you know, and like yeah. it makes its way all Absolutely. the way around. Um, Absolutely. Well, you say that's the hardest thing now. Marriage in yeah. the next month, in one month, you're going to <laughs> Tulum. Uh, yeah. That might be a little harder, but at the same time, but like, I'm not one to give advice, but like, I'm, I'm excited for you in that journey. Thanks, that's man. Journey. I would agree with you. It will be, I was talking to a friend the other day, and I said, I think marriage is the hardest thing anyone will ever do in their life. Um, because every, every other challenge, like you have or you don't, but you choose that one. You like really choose to embark on all your other challenges with this person. And there's no way to know that five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, you're going to be the same people. I I shared with her recently, the biggest reason, I mean, I love her. We have this amazing relationship, but the number one thing that has me excited is I'm like, we can navigate storms together, right? Like that's what I think is what can make us successful. But it's got to be be you two against the world, man. It's you two against the world, no matter what. Yeah. But who who knows? Education is key. Yeah, yeah, and so. also saying yes, dear. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I think you know it's not it's not the yes, dear. It's the like the apologizing when we're wrong, and yeah. I think co- taking time to cool off. You know, luckily, I think I have more of the fire in the relationship. She's more, she's calmer, and so when we yeah. do fight, usually she will like 
step away, which is good because it lets me settle and then we can come back together. And usually I, I know when I've messed up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, this will come full circle to what I said at the beginning is like everybody's entitled to their own feelings. Yeah. Right. And so when you two know if you're feeling a certain way, the other person shouldn't get defensive. It should be more, why are you feeling that way? How can I help you with that? How can we get through this together? Or, or what can we do? Or what can I do to not make you feel that way anymore? It's being partners. Yeah. This is, you know, playing opposite sides of the ball. Yeah, it's get- it's so tough, right? Because we just get yanked in by our emotions and we want to, we want to like, our we let our emotions... It's not even our emotions. I feel like when we get hooked by somebody, right? When somebody triggers us, hooks us, it's actually that little kid inside of us, right? We like behave like a child. And because most of us, when we look back, we're like, why did I act like that? Right? Why was I that fired up or excited or pissed off? And that's like a, that's that child inside of us that like got let off. I want to say like almost like let off the leash. (laughs) No, exactly. Exactly. And, and, um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I believe in the institution of marriage and I, I, I hope one day I can, you know, get married again. Um, but I'm so excited for you, man. You're, you're, thanks. Man. How you too is, is so unique. And for that to come to where, you know, you guys are getting married a month in, in Tulum where you went for a wedding together for the first time. That's, that's awesome, man. Thanks. So congrats. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. you know, uh, I think it's pretty, I don't know how you bet. There's some guys I feel like I don't want to bet against. Yeah. And I don't know that I want to bet against the chiefs. Mahomes is like, even with a bum ankle. I just don't know how you can bet against him. You know, even, even I almost also think Mahomes is a guy that feels like at the end of his career, he can be up there and like guys that we remember and yeah. and winning a Super Bowl on a bum ankle is the story that will tell that right? right it's the it's the flu game right it's it's those kind of things and and if he doesn't win it's okay that happens but that's what it feels like um but dude I mean it's like I didn't a few years ago I don't I don't know how many years Jalen Hurts has been in the league right like two or three years right it's not not a long He's, yeah, this is his third seed. He was drafted in what 2020, 2020, 2021, I think was his first year. So yeah. Yeah. And and you know, I'm not a, I don't pay attention to every single detail of I used to be like crackhead about sports and I've kind of like let myself I, I worry about my own my own life more than other people's now. Um but but I think like, man, I'm like, I didn't this guy wasn't on the radar which I think is so cool that, you know, this guy has primed, he, you know, he transferred schools, he gave himself a new opportunity in college. Right. And now he's here and he's on the biggest stage. And I think that's, it's also nice to like not have somebody dominating every year. Right. It's kind of like, I respect Tom Brady, but it's nice to have like other guys get to win some stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think you got more experience on the, on the chief side versus I mean, the Eagles lineup, like that whole Eagles team is stacked, right? And they all they all have, you know, not everyone, but like you've got, I, I think it's always broken down to like the quarterback, right? And what, this is Mahomes' third Super Bowl. He's one and one, right? I think. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but like, I think it is. I don't know, whatever. But 
Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But if if Hertz can step up, I I mean that Eagles, you know, team is tough. But yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs. So, well, this will this will probably since the Super Bowl is this weekend. This is going to air after the Super Bowl. So. Uh-huh. So All right. we're, we're going to get to either for people listening, we're either going to be like, totally look like idiots. We might need to cut this out if we're looking like idiots. This is, yeah, you know, no, it's, it's all right. Um, it's like, I feel like sports conversation is, it's like one of those things that for a lot of ways, I'm glad that we threw it in it. I'm glad that you actually brought it at the end because I think it's a great, we talked about a lot of deep things. We talked a lot about personal things. And I think sports conversation is like water cooler talk for men. It's like the one area that we're really comfortable expressing ourselves and sharing. And which is why we see guys get like so passionate. And so he did the one area that it's like, it's safe. We're allowed to do that there. And, and I'm a big believer that it's actually in the theme of this whole episode that it's not, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just like, I want to be a guy who gets to talk about everything with my buddies and everything with men, not just sports, you know? So it's good that it comes in at the end. This is why you're good at what you do, man. You just brought it all full circle right there. I love that. Thanks, man. Maybe you can represent me and get, again, help me expand this platform. Um, Dude, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, Thanks for having fun with this. I really appreciate you. Um, I appreciate your honesty, your, your openness, your vulnerability, um, and also the success stories and all the the wins that you're able to bring and share. Um, We'll do this again. We don't, we're not going to wait three years. We won't wait three years, but, but we'll do this again. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for for being here, listening to the Dream Mason podcast. Um, that is Kyle Thousand. If oh Kyle, we didn't even ask. Do you want people to, if people want to reach out to you, do you want them to follow you? Do you is is that something that matters to you? You're not you're not like selling a course or anything. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you can find me on Instagram if you, you know, people have questions or or just want to know a little bit more. And yeah, absolutely. There you go. It's Kyle Thousand on Instagram, right? It's just straight. It's your name, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. So you can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle Thousand. Um, if you go back to the Dream Mason podcast for 2420 episode, um, actually, it's probably not that date, but you can find it under Kyle Thousand. You can actually listen to the first episode. And that episode was totally different than this one. We talked about baseball. We talked about your relationship with your dad. We talked about a lot of different things. So I love that we just expanded on this. And uh, I look forward to, to having you on again. And to the audience, thank you. If something in here resonated with you, please take it, utilize it, and share this episode with a friend. Help you know someone that might need it, especially men out there that might get something from this. Please share it with them. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.